1966, the Chicago Bears drafted the son of a Pennsylvania coal miner in the fourth round. Doug Buffon would go on to play 15 seasons for the Bears and later be named one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time. His allegiance to the Bears never waned, even when he took to the microphone and witnessed some horrendous Bears teams. The fact is, there's not the fear put into him because this game is a lot about fear. You either do the job or you go home and go sell hamburgers at McDonald's. Doug told it like it is, and that's part of the reason his nephew John has dedicated this show to Doug. And now John Buffone is spreading Buffone branded beratements just like his uncle. Win the football game. You're the head coach. I don't care what you have your fingers in. I don't care what you're meddling in. You're the head freaking coach. We get it. You're the most important guy on the staff. You don't have to keep trying to legitimize that. And he's got pep talks too. I love this team. And I know everyone watching and listening loves this team. So while we may be pessimistic and cynical, every one of us still has hope that the stars will align at some point. And if that ever does happen, you'll be glad you stuck around. John is telling it like it is here on Buffone 55. And joining John are Alyssa Barbieri, managing editor of USA Today's NFL Wires, including Bears Wire. And also Danny Shimon, lead game and draft analyst for the Barroom Network. Buckle up and bear down. This is Buffone 55, The John Buffone Show. Hello and welcome to this early edition of Buffone 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down those lovable Chicago Bears. My name is John Buffone. With me, as always, is my co-host and producer, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, the Bears heard that we were tired of talking about the same thing over and over again, so they went above and beyond to find a new way to lose against the Broncos. And now, here we are on a short week to talk about it. How you doing? Um, time is a flat circle. It's nothing but pain. <laughs> Somehow the NFL script writers have screwed the bears this year. I don't know how the bears managed to top last week's blowout, but like the fact that, you know, they had us for three quarters, we were hopeful for three quarters and then they ripped it away. Oh man. It was new. I mean, that's something I guess we yeah. could say this season. I, I mean, we want, we, I thought different would mean, you know, a win, but in this case, it was just like, get out to a nice big lead and then fall apart. That, that, that was, that was the different. That's, that's what we have to talk about today. And now, you know, it, it's, you know, short memory, short week. And now they got to do it all again. Cause you remember how exciting the Thursday night game against the commanders was last year. They got to replicate that. Right. Oh man. You get to be there for that one. Yeah, too. How excited are there. you? You know what? I bought the tickets before the season thinking the Bears were going to be something and I will never make that mistake again. Uh, but yeah, I will be I will be uh, down in D.C. Uh, D.C. area, I guess, uh, watching my lovable Chicago Bears roll into Landover, Maryland to take on the commanders on a Thursday night special. So I I 
We'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we'll see what it's gonna look. I just want if it's good a good luck. game, then, I, then I'll think it'll be worth my money to drive down there. It's not too far from where I'm located. But uh, before we jump into this mess, Alyssa, can you give everyone a rundown of how Buffone Fifty Five works? Absolutely. So we're going to begin with the classic B55 segment. That's when I asked John five questions about the Bears and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffon, his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. Then at halftime, we're going to break down the Bears upcoming opponent. And this week, we're going to take a deep dive on the Washington Commanders who just lost in overtime to the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're pissed, so that should be interesting. Um, and we're then going to finish things up with a free-for-all that we call Buffone's Basement, where Danny Shimon's going to join John and me, and the three of us, we're going to have another nice Bears therapy session. I don't know, John, it feels like every week we are having a Bears therapy session with us, with the Barflies. I mean, this is just a community effort right here. 14 straight games of these therapy <laughs> sessions we are doing and counting. Uh, well, well, where Where is the light at the end of this tunnel? I don't know. Hopefully it's Thursday, but um, I'm not getting my hopes up too high. I, I've learned my lesson to not get my hopes up. Yeah. So, John, I know you haven't had much time to rest up. Uh, are you up for this? <laughs> I'm going to try my best. I can't guarantee anything. I'm still, I'm still completely emotionally drained from yesterday, but uh, I'm, I'm going to give my best shot. Okay, then. So let's dive right into our B55 segment. I'm going to ask John five questions about the Bears, and he's somehow going to manage to keep his answers under 55 seconds. So let's get it started. So John, Sunday was a rough one. The Bears blew a 21-point lead in the second half and grasped defeat from the jaws of victory to fall to 0-4. So John, you said you were going to emotionally disconnect from this team last week. Did that work? 55 seconds or on the clock? You know, I really thought I was just going to let it play out and not get too high or low because I didn't want them to hurt me anymore. And it's almost like the Bears saw that as a challenge. They were like, oh, yeah, well, what if we dominate the first half and then gradually fall apart? Will that do it for you? And I think the biggest thing for me was this game took us to another depth of hopelessness that I didn't even know existed. What this told us was your quarterback can have a career day statistically, throw for more yards than he ever has, set the franchise record for consecutive completions, throw four touchdowns. DJ Moore can have his best game of the year your running back can rush for over 100 yards and you're still going to find a way to lose and the quarterback played a significant role in that there's no denying the impact of fields fumbling and getting it taken back for a touchdown and the late interception but outside the quarterback they're unable to convert on fourth and one the defense is still soft the coaching decisions very suspect this team has to play an absolute perfect game to win the margin of error is almost nothing and that game just reinforced it I mean, the worst part, too, was like I going into that game, I was like, I don't care what's going to happen here. I'm not going to let them get my hopes up because I know how this is going to end. And then the first quarter happened. And then the second and Justin Fields had a perfect first half. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then they had a 21 point lead. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. OK, they might actually do this. Then I started to get excited. You know, like I let my guard down a little bit. And then. Uh -huh. As we know, the Bears did what they do best. They found a new devastating way to win. And like you mentioned, I think the thing that's most frustrating is they ruined Justin Fields' perfect day, his best mm -hmm. as a Bear in the NFL. And, you know, he should have been feeling confident and excited after that game. And instead, you know, reports were saying that after the game, he was in his locker for like 30 minutes just staring ahead. And like this team continues to break his spirit. And it's just really frustrating to watch.
he looked dejected on the sidelines. Like it looked like it's like, what else do I have to do? And like I said, I'm not going to pretend like he didn't screw up a few times, but then, but there was plenty of blame to go around. And, and, you know, all the way back. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this at length, but like the coaching decisions and, you know, not, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mind them going for it on fourth and one at the, to, to seal the game. I hated the play call. I, 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 I didn't mind them going for it, but also like, yeah, you did a hard count beforehand to try to get them to jump off sides. You call timeout, and then you're like, "Ah, oh, hell, let's just go for it anyway." And then you 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 you, you roasted a timeout in the process. So uh, it was I, I didn't I didn't like how they 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 set that up. But uh, either way, uh, just a devastating loss all around for everybody, whether it's the fans or the players. Just another way to have a devastating loss. No, and like you said, I agreed with them going for it on fourth and one there because I had no confidence in the defense to hold them to keep Denver out of the end zone at that point. But like you said, it was the play call. How do you take the ball out of your best player's hands in a moment like that? Everyone yeah. who Khalil Herbert was going to get the ball the way that they were running it, especially on that drive. It was just, it was it like Luke Getsy had a good three quarters hmm. and then the fourth quarter happened. It was just, it's like one step forward to like three steps, 10 steps back, I guess with the bears at this point. So, I mean, just like you said, just frustrating and devastating all around the coaches, the quarterback, the rest of the players, for some reason, the fourth quarter hits and it's just, it's, it's too much. It's just to the, whatever they're, I don't know why they're putting so much pressure on them on themselves because it's not like they're expected to do anything, but it's just like once the fourth quarter hits and the, the wheels fall off. Yeah. At that point you're winless. You've lost 13 straight before this game. Mm. What do you have to lose at this point? Come yeah. on. You need something good to happen. You need to take a risk. And it just feels like he's coaching scared. I'm like, dude, I mean, that's not helping you. Mm. I mean, you're already going to get fired. I feel like at this point. Oh, so, I mean, just yeah. like take, you know, fight for your job or something. Let's go. Put something good on tape for it. So you can, so for your next job, that's, and that's, that's for the players and that's for the coaches put something good on tape because a lot of these people will be looking for a new job at the end of the year. Absolutely. So John, you know, we just talked about Justin Fields and Bears fans are completely torn about how much of this loss is on him versus how much uh, of the bears overall woes are on him this season. So where do you fall on that when we're trying to hand out blame here? Good luck getting this into 55 seconds. Go. Well, the game against the Broncos was like getting a beautiful meal, but the dessert was so bad that it ruined everything. The appetizers were perfectly crisp and warm. The entree was robust and flavorful and filling. And then you ordered the souffle for dessert, and as it was put on the table, it imploded into itself, and it tasted like cardboard. That's what happened here. Three really good quarters with great stats, and then the wheels fell off. I'm not going to absolve Justin Fields of his miscues just because of his stats. The fumble was really bad, and the interception, whether it was a communica miscommunication with Cole Komet or not, you can't be on a different page like that when the game is on the line. And he also had an intentional grounding call before that. We are allowed to say that he contributed to the loss just as much as we would have said he greatly contributed to the win had the Bears been able to pull it out. But I don't want to get dragged into this all or nothing battle. I know it's sexy to say this is all Fields' fault or none of it is Fields' fault, but I truly I truly don't believe either one of those things. Yeah, he has played poorly at times, but the team has also given up 25-plus points in 14 straight games. The first team to ever do that. I don't think it's crazy to say the entire thing's a mess. Absolutely, and that's the thing. When you're this bad, it's not one person. It's multiple people, and we're seeing that, whether it's the players, the coaches, the front office, right? You know, looking mm -hmm. at Ryan Poles and this team he assembled. But, you know, like you said, you know, Fields did have a really great day, a career day, but he did, again, at the end of the game, make those mistakes. And, you know, again, like you mentioned, I mean, that play call on the fumble uh, that was returned for a touchdown, just like 
brutal. No, he didn't stand a chance or he should have just tucked it and took the sack. Yeah, that, that was, uh, that, and, and that, that uh, some of that, I guess would call it come back to play calling because as it was noted yeah. from a number of people before that, the, the Broncos were getting on to what the bears were doing yeah. and they were blitzing the bootleg a lot. And eventually it got, it caught up with them. Now, would you like the quarterback to hold onto the ball and secure the ball? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, but you also don't want your play caller to be so predictable that they know what's coming. And that's like one of the issues with the coaching staff this season, right? Is that, you know, when you're supposed to make those adjustments, other teams are making them, but you're mm. not. And you're just like stuck in the same place, stationary. And it's so frustrating. It's like, like, why? Like, wake up. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're as dejected as the players out there. But yeah, I mean, Fields does deserve some of the blame for that. Because again, it's the fourth quarter. And we know that the Bears, and especially Fields during his time here, haven't been able to get it done right in the fourth quarter or close out games. And we're right back to that conversation about how the Bears need to learn how to win. They need to learn how to close out games. And it's true, especially with this regime and this coaching staff. And I mean, it's frustrating because Fields had an amazing day, but you know, he did also have a couple of those costly turnovers at the end. But again, when we're handing out blame, Fields gets a slice of it, but there's plenty of that pie to go around. Oh, there's blame pie to go all over the place. <laughs> there is there is not a shortage of blame pie to be served out with this organization. I mean, just from and that and that just comes from you know, everyone who's been a lifelong Bears fan, we know that everyone's the problem (laughs) everyone is the issue absolutely and speaking of one of those issues one of the field's most notable weapons was noticeably absent (laughs) on sunday and you know where i'm getting to this Uh with chase claypool being a healthy scratch you know late last week claypool told the media that he wasn't being used in the best way to showcase his skill set which presumably led to this move you know, the Bears asked him to stay home on Sunday and head coach Matt Eberflus made it clear Claypool won't be at Hallis Hall this week or be active for the Commanders game. What do you make of this whole mess? Good luck keeping it in 55 seconds. Well, at first I was happy they made him inactive. I didn't think it would get to that point because I wasn't sure they would want the trade for Claypool to look even worse than it already did. But I guess it got to the point where they had no choice. They already had to sit him down and have a talk with him about his blocking earlier in the season. Look, they probably are shopping him already. They might get a conditional sixth or seventh round pick for him if a team needs depth. He'll come in as a team's fourth receiver and it'll maybe be an insurance policy if someone gets hurt. But we now at least know of one Bears receiver that's not going to get extended at the end of the year. Uh, but Iberflus really couldn't give a real answer after the game. He tiptoed around it. And, and if you want to make a statement to your team by sitting Claypool down, you simply say certain standard of conduct on this team and it's necessary for every player to understand that that at least lets the rest of the team know that even if your record is bad there is a standard in the locker room and maybe they did that internally but it just seemed like he wanted they wanted to make this move and then pretend like it never happened and not address it publicly yeah, that was, I think the handling of the situation was more frustrating than the situation somehow, just because we've seen this from Claypool, you know, since week one, right? When mm. he, the lackluster effort and having to apologize and reports that they were prepared to ship him out if this continued. And guess what? It continued. He called out his coaches. I mean, it's just, and, and don't, you know, the fact that the offense was better without him on the field, just like speaks volumes i mean it's just been a rough year for him but the handling of the situation especially matt eberflus and getting up there and not knowing it, it seemed like after the game he did not know what was going on he it's gave like, the wrong you... information yeah. uh, a bears you know official had to be like no 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 that's that's not what happened and then obviously the press conference today i'm sure everyone's seen it was just a blunder it was a mess he's in way over his head he doesn't know what he's doing 
I mean, this team is just going to be a mess until something is done. But I mean, I feel like at this point, John, we can agree, right? Claypool is not coming back. There's no way to come no, back from this. I, I'd be surprised. I don't know if he's going to be, I don't know if he suits up for the Bears again. Like, I don't, I don't know if he ever puts the uniform back on in Chicago. And, and, and I mean, if, if you want to push back on this and you say you don't want to trash a player you're trying to trade and drive his value down to other teams, but we're not talking about like squeezing a first or second or third round pick out of somebody at best because he's in a contract year it's not like he's on a you know, cheap four-year deal or anything like that at best you're going to get a conditional sixth or seventh round pick for this guy right now he's a rental he's, he's essentially you'd be getting a rental player just for a depth piece so it's not like you're trying to you know angle your way in for a second or third round pick that ain't gonna happen i mean the bears gave up a second round pick no one else is and so and so i mean and listen we can i don't want to you know i don't want to be captain hindsight here because i was kind of excited about the trade when it happened i thought it was a pretty big price tag but i was mildly excited about it so i'm not gonna pretend like i'd never said that but uh it, it was uh it, it's just a, like you got to send a message to the rest of the guys in the locker room that like and you can't just go out uh, publicly and be like did you ask him to to not show up uh, no and i, I don't want to address that and he's like no you sat him down for a reason it's not you sat him down because an attitude problem a performance problem whatever it is own it and be and 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 be take an authoritative approach to something for once act like you're in charge of the team and it, it, once again it was a kind of a him ha tiptoe let's make sure everyone's happy and i don't want to take anybody off kind of thing yeah and to be honest this should have happened in week two they should have benched yeah. him in week two after that whole situation because again it sent the raw message to the locker room at that point and now you're just uh, you know whatever's going on whether you're trying to trade him you know whether it's because of the coach's comments, because I mean, let's be real. He was at the facility on Friday. If they were going to make him an actor, they could have told him there on Friday and said they waited until Saturday conveniently. Right. So I don't know the whole situation again, like with Matt Eberflus and the lack of transparency and how he's lying and deflecting and he's so bad at it. And it's cringeworthy and good for the Chicago media today and how oh, yeah. they just grilled him. Like he looks so uncomfortable up there. I mean, you've, Sure, he's a nice guy, so you feel for him, the person. Sure. But as the coach, what are you doing? Just answer the damn questions. I mean, it's it's frustrating when a player like Cole Komet is more transparent than the head coach. Well, because Cole Komet has job security. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> he just signed an extension, so he can, he can probably say a few more things. But, no, you're absolutely right, though. It's just like, yeah – being a nice guy is not going to is not going to get you through that. It, it's you you have to you have to at least have the portrayal that you're in charge of this operation and you have a strict st standard of what you hold your players to. And once again, maybe they do some of this stuff internally, but to the outside world, you're getting picked apart right now. And I, I wonder if did you think they gave uh, Eberflus a, a a mock press conference in his in, in oh, his God. trial because that uh, used to be a thing. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if they could they go back to the they fire. I bet he aced it. I bet oh, he aced it. Yeah, I'm mean, just just <laughs> towed the line, towed in the company line. But I, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say about Coach Eberflus here. Oh, absolutely. Hey, plus, I mean, unless he's fired, we got, we got 14 more of these. So oh, goody. <laughs> Oh, yay. <laughs> Speaking of Matt Eberflus, John, you know, his seat seems to be getting hotter by the second. His record as the Bears head coach is now 3-18, and and fans have had just about enough of the second-year head coach. So, John, is it already time to show Eberflus the door? 55 seconds are on the clock. Well, short answer is yes, but do I think they do it? No. The Bears don't generally fire guys in the middle of the season, let alone four games into the season. But if I had to guess, this guy has completely lost the locker room. There are still players on this team that were here last year and have experienced 14 straight losses. 
What is this head coach doing to keep these guys inspired? What progress is he clinging to to show these guys that he is worth buying into? He's a defensive-minded head coach, but his defense, as we noted earlier, is historically bad. I said after the game, what is Matt Eberflus's redeeming quality as a coach? Not as a person. He seems like a perfectly pleasant person. But as the head coach of the Chicago Bears, what is he hanging his hat on? He's not great at the podium. He doesn't seem like a motivator that can bring guys out of a big losing streak. His defensive scheme is vanilla with some sprinkles thrown on it from time to time. I just don't know how Ryan Poles, Kevin Warren, or even George McCaskey can look at this and think, yeah, he's going to turn that around. Yeah, no, like you said, yes, he should be gone. Are the Bears going to do it? No. Like my one glimmer of hope, it's never happened before, but you do have Kevin Warren in place now and you hope he has the authority to make these kind of decisions. Now I understand not firing him after this game because it's a short week, right? Going into Washington. But if they, if they are embarrassed, because I mean, I'm pres- they're going to lose, but if they're just like embarrassed again and they lose that 15 straight game and it's a freaking mess, you have 11 days before your next game. That would be the perfect time to send a message. You're sending the message to the players, to the fans, that this is not a joke of an organization because that's what it's become. You need to make a stand. And I feel like they have Kevin Warren in place. This isn't George McCaskey back there making the calls. Do something. Someone is going to, like, if this goes if this goes really wrong like we expect it to on Thursday, someone's got to take the blame, whether it's Eberflus, whether it's Getsy. We'll see, but a move should be made. Again, do I think it will be made? No, but this would be the perfect time. I I just don't, I can't see it happening just because I'm thinking like, who do you replace them with? And I know, I know that we want to send a message. If they want to listen, here's my theory. If they want to fire him, you know, three or four games before the end of the year and then get a head start on their head coaching search, I have no problem with that. In fact, I'm in favor of that. If you know that this guy is not going to be brought back, just like when we knew that uh, Matt Nagy was not going to be brought back, what are you waiting for? Cut loose and then start and, you know, turn the page now. You got to, you have to, you, you got to start, you, know, you can start getting names down. Uh, if, you know, you can start, you know, making some, you know, back channel calls on some things. Maybe, maybe not, you know, you don't want to get any tampering uh, issues there. But uh, I, I think that if, uh, if you want to get a head start and you know that you're going to fire this guy, go ahead and do it later on. If to do it in week five, it's just like, I get it. I, I, I want changes, but who's going to be the head coach Luke Getze, or, and then who's going to be, who's going to be calling plays for the defense because you already lost your defensive coordinator. And then you, you're losing the guy who's calling the defense. So maybe they fire a position coach or uh, it's, it's uh, listen, I want changes more than anybody. I just don't know. Wow what those changes are going to be right now because we're so early it's so early in the season what can you possibly do that that's true but you also have another opportunity assuming this continues and my goodness if the losing streak is still ongoing when they play the panthers on november 9th so help me that that would be the perfect opportunity at that point right because you're about halfway through the season again you have that 11 days between uh that game and your next but i mean that that's a fair point that you know but again you know Kevin Warren, those are the kind of decisions that he's going to have to make him and and, uh, Ryan Poles. So I don't know. It's just, this is so much more different than the Nagy situation. They, they're at this point, assuming they lose Thursday, that's they've lost 15 games in a row. If they lose on Thursday, it's going to be, it's, it's you're, we're approaching again, like the NFL record or one of like the NFL records in the modern era. It's so embarrassing. It's like, I mean, the Nagy stuff is embarrassing, but this is a whole nother level. It's like how much of that, especially with Kevin Warren in place, how much of that is he willing to take? 
Yeah, and even like I we've I always said that you know Nagy benefited from having Vic Fangio in the defense that you know actually play, showed up for uh, it was 20, 2018 for sure twenty nineteen to a lesser extent but still did and then twenty twenty a little bit but like there's not there's not a side of the ball that's good here there's nothing here that's going to keep you in the game the defense is awful and although the offense did play really well uh, against the Broncos who mind you gave up 70 points before that <laughs> but, but uh, they did play well but overall looking at it holistically neither side of the ball is very good <laughs> and so that 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 just increases the hopelessness hopelessness it, I mean I'm just gonna get that word tattooed in my forehead I mean that's <laughs> look in the mirror hopelessness or just turn yeah. the TV on bears hopelessness I mean it's just so frustrating you remember back in 2018 when we were happy Happy Bears fans. Vaguely, Think very vaguely, that. very vaguely. Before like the I, double doink. Yeah, like I, th- it was. It, it seems like a, a shooting <sighs> star now, where it was just like this, this fleeting moment of happiness, and that's what I mean. That's what we have to hang our hats on with as being Bears fans, where they have these flash in the pan seasons where they make the playoffs, and then they don't like. I think since what since two thousand, I think how many made back to back playoffs? What once or twice, maybe. And and the the one time was whenever they created the seventh seed and they fell ass backwards into a playoff spot and then got smoked by the Saints the next week. So like I, they they just like there is no sustainability. There is no like there is a sustainability of success. It's just not there. Uh, and and that's what we 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 have to hope that there's going to be some of these flash in the pan seasons like 2018 and that you can take advantage of it, which they obviously did not. <laughs> and so this is what we're stuck talking about. I feel like the like the best part of a season for a Bears fan is the preseason hype. Like when we're like thinking about what this team could be, how they could reach their fullest yeah. potential, only for them to fall completely flat and just us to feel stupid. And uh, then because it, we came know, back and we expected different. It, it, there's three there, I think there's there's three periods of being a Bears fan. You got the draft, you got the preseason hype, and then you got mock draft. And then you have draft, <laughs> preseason hype, mock draft draft and then it's just it's just cyclical it's basically what happens hey they hate the bears currently have the top two picks in the 2024 NFL draft so hey oh we have all the confidence <laughs> in the world they won't screw that up <laughs> and so the, the circle continues to turn these are the days of our lives yeah okay so john last week we talked about why bears fans should still care I think that ship has sailed for a lot of people after sunday's game so we're gonna end with this is this as hopeless of a Bears team that you've seen in recent history? Let's turn the clock off for this one. Have at it. Oh, boy. Uh, maybe I'm being a prisoner of the moment. But, yeah, I think this is the quickest we have become hopeless in a long time. They aren't tanking. They're just bad. They weren't supposed to be competing for the number one overall pick. They were supposed to be competing for a wild card spot in December. And I think they're missing a significant part of the rebuild process here. You know, the building part. Last year was the demolition part. They wiped the, th- the foundation clean. And I think a lot of fans trusted what was happening. But you have to turn the jackhammer off at some point. You just can't keep busting up concrete because you're not actually building anything. It's a 17-game season. We aren't even a quarter of the way through. And we have to watch these performances through October, through November, through December, and some of January. Three and a half more months of this. The Bears are already toast. And it's already it's only week five. It's October 2023. The Bears have not won a game since October 2022. It wasn't supposed to be this way, but maybe it was destined to be this way. And we just didn't want to believe it. 
That'll be all for B55. After this message, we'll preview the Washington Commanders and talk with Danny Shimon, the Barroom's lead analyst. The fall is where we rock here at the Barroom Network with over 15 shows scheduled from September to January. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network's YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Fafone 55. This week, the Bears traveled to our nation's capital to take on the Commanders in a Thursday night matchup. Aldo Gandia previews a team that is flying under the radar with a good defense and sneaky good weapons on offense. The Washington Commanders came into Lincoln Financial Stadium on Sunday with a 2-1 record. Their loss the previous week to the Buffalo Bills was a thorough 37-3 whipping. Ron Rivera's team bounced back and gave the Eagles everything they could handle by forcing overtime with this touchdown and no time left on the clock. Touchdown! On their last breath, it's Jahan Dotson! The Eagles, though, stopped the Commanders in their first overtime possession and won the game. Oh, perfect throw, but he's out of bounds! Not getting the W is, is, is a hard pill to swallow. And I think, Moses, that, that, that's really what, what the sense is and, and what the meaning is that there was no moral victory. You know, I don't believe in moral victories or anything like that. You know, we, we lost the game that we felt like we should have won. All eyes on the commander's rebuild are focused on second-year quarterback Sam Howell. Against the Bills, he threw four interceptions. Sunday, he got back on track, throwing zero interceptions and one TD with 290 yards passing against a formidable Eagles defense. I think he processed a lot quicker. His decision-making was quicker. Um, he, he, he really seemed to, to, to really have a good feel and good grasp as to what was going on out there. Um, made some really quick decisions, got the ball out of his hands, kept them off balance as much as, uh, as, much as anything. So, you know, just again, a lot of good growth, and I think his consistency uh, really showed. It's a screen. It's Robinson. How has offensive weapons to help expedite his growth? Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson are not among the league leaders in rushing, but average over four yards per carry and are capable pass catchers. Third and four, Philly shows pressure and then backs off. So Howell's got time, lets it rip for a first down and it's McLaurin again. The receiving crew has the potential to be among the best in the league. Five-year veteran Terry McLaurin is teamed with another productive vet, Curtis Samuel, and second-year man, Shahan Dotson. The tight ends are a serviceable group. Washington's offensive line is allowing a league-worst six sacks per game, but a big reason why is young quarterback Sam Howell holding on to the ball too long. Perhaps the biggest weapon the commanders possess is their offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. His years working with Andy Reid have helped him develop a very creative and disciplined approach to managing an offense. Robinson again, hits the hole hard. Robinson is in! Touchdown, Washington! 
Well, I think our football team's doing some good things. I think we're growing, developing. Um, you know, I think uh, part of it will be as as Sam goes. I think we, we'll we'll play accordingly. Absolutely. On defense, the Commanders have one of the best pass rushing defensive lines in the NFL. They are currently tied for sixth in sacks, averaging 3.3 sacks per game. Defensive tackle Jonathan Allen has two sacks on the year. Chase Young has two and a half. And team leader Montez Sweat has three. At linebacker, Cody Martin and Jamin Davis are the leading tacklers. The defensive backfield is loaded with relatively young players, but none younger and more inexperienced than 2023 first-round pick cornerback Emmanuel Forbes, who had a tough game versus the Eagles. I've already talked with Emmanuel. Um, I talked to him right after the game. I wanted to make sure he was okay. His head was in a good spot. Um, but what will happen is, you know, his position coaches, uh, coordinator, Jack will get together with him. They'll go through some things. They'll talk about the positives. They'll talk about the negatives. Uh, it'll get an opportunity for him to look at things and, and see the things that he needs to work on and correct. I mean, it's just a process of, of learning and growth. I mean, he is a young player. He's a rookie that we've put a lot on. Uh, we think he's capable. But here it is, a little another stutter and go up over the top. And then you'll see A.J. Brown at the end. He's going to drop the ball into Emmanuel Forbes' lap. You know, one of the things that we most certainly working on is, is trying to eliminate some of the explosives we've allowed that's been unfortunate and untimely um, and then continue to work and, and continue to create takeaways you know we, we've had opportunities we just haven't uh, we haven't gone through with it and and we've got to get takeaways it, it's a big part of uh, you know what can help us win football games on special teams the commanders have one of the best punters in the NFL Tress Way and watch for Antonio Gibson to return kicks his long this year is a 29 yarder Fields was looking deep. He's going to take a shot. Downfield, he's got a man more. Was he in? No signal yet. Touchdown! This is a, a team that's going to come in, and, and they're hungry to win. They're 0-4. They know it, but they have a very talented young quarterback who's, who's dynamic and explosive, and last year he gave us hell. Uh, we can't allow that to happen. We've got to be, we've got to be disciplined. We've got to play our game. Um, this is, again, a young team that, that's growing and developing. Um, you know, they, they were, were, were a couple of years back. And, and, and again, I, I like who their quarterback is. I really do. I think Justin's a heck of a man, a young man. He's, he's, got, a good, he's got a good receiver and, 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 a, and, a, and a guy that, um, you know, I, I think uh, is, is, is an explosive player for them. Um, but, again, it, it's, it's one of those games that you can't fall asleep on a young team like that because, you know, they don't know, they don't know the difference. They, they go out every week. They want to win every week. They're going to play and be very competitive. And I think Coach Eberflus is going to bring these guys in uh, ready to roll. For Buffon 55, I'm Aldo Gandia. No, uh, welcome back. I was a little, uh, I'm sure I'm sure Coach Eberflus will have these guys ready to flip, play. My eyebrows went straight up. And then I realized I got put on camera the second. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. You got to be on your toes with Aldo. We know yeah, that. <laughs> Well, it's, it's that's now it's time for a segment we call Buffon's Basement. That's when we bring on the barroom's lead analyst, Danny Shimon. Danny, how you doing, my friend? Danny, hey guys, how are you? It's a, it's another, not not a victory <laughs> Monday. It's it's a it's a defeated Monday. I think it's a right? Monday. It's a, here we go. It's a, it's Monday, a Monday, regardless. Uh, every day is just a, you know it's just a Monday after a Bears game. There are no more victory Mondays. But uh, I, I caught that telling that that Ron Rivera press conference where he's he's giving Eberflus the uh, the kudos there. It's 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 the all they all go to the to the Bill Belichick you know uh, throw flowers at the, at at the uh, feet of the opposing coaches. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that, that that was funny. 
increasingly difficult whenever you're playing the Bears. But uh, Danny, <laughs> we'll start with this. Uh, we we talked about this directly after the game. So, but uh, for anyone that wasn't able to tune in, what were what was your immediate reaction after that loss? Because it just feels like they're finding new ways to just implode. Yeah, uh, it's exactly right. It, it was it was a game that you know halfway through the third quarter, you're like, all right, this is a. Uh, and in, in, in the books, in, in terms of a W, you know, J- Justin and, and the offense came out and, and kind of imposed their will on on a, on a Broncos defense, obviously that was really coming into the to the game, off their Miami game, and they just kind of you know took advantage of them. And uh, and next thing you know, that you know that that defense fell apart, and they, they gave up a couple scores. There were there was a the fumble by Justin that just can't happen, and uh, and then and then obviously the fourth and one, which I heard you guys earlier, I, I agree with you. I think all three of us agree that that it was it was the right call to go for it. I just don't like the play, and 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 then yeah, I think right there, Eberflus just kind of said, "I don't trust my defense to stop these guys, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get that first down. It's only one yard. We'll get the first down, and we'll run the clock, kick a field, and get the hell out of here with the, with the victory." Why why do the hard count then call timeout though? Well, and according then- to Eberflus, they're they're trying to drum off sides, get get a get a cheap first down, and it, it, they they didn't fall for it, so they just call a timeout, and then they ended up calling that that you know that handoff with with the, in the shotgun, which which drove me crazy. Uh, you know, you know, everyone. It, it seems like everyone just doesn't want to do that tush push that the Eagles are doing. Like, like you have a six three, two hundred twenty eight pound forward. You know, a, a, yeah, a quarterback that and get behind them and just push them and get that one yard. I I don't understand. If it's not illegal yet, it hasn't been banned yet. NFL hasn't said only the Eagles can run this play. You all can run this play. I just don't get the the handoff in the in the in the shotgun. Seven yards back off the line of scrimmage, hand it to running back. Obviously, the the, the rookie uh, Donald Wright, you know, blows his backside block, and then the, the linebacker gets in there and, and, and stuffs uh, stuffs over for that for that no gain. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think Eflos there knew that he he had to get the first down because even if they kick a field goal there, the the, the Broncos are going to march right down and and you know take over and win the game with a touchdown. I think it's not getting enough call. I don't think it's getting enough criticism because it actually worked, but they did that stupid tight end sneak again. And I, and I, yeah. I can't stand that play is right. a short yardage where you, they, they put Cole Komet under center and they, and like, right. why, why not just have your big six, three, 230 pound quarterback fall forward? Like, I, I don't, why does, why does everything have to be chess when it can just be checkers? Why can't right. you just line up and fall forward? They get too cute with it. They're going to put a guy. I know he he practices his play, but Cole Komet is not not a player that's used to taking snaps from a center. Just give it to your quarterback and let him you know sneak up there and get that first down, and that's it. I, I don't I don't understand why they get you know it's all started with 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 uh, Andy Reid and, and and Travis Kelsey, and then Matt Nagy got into a little bit here where he was with the Bears too. So. Uh, and, and now, like, looks like uh, Luke Getzi's kind of taken over. But I, again, I, I don't think we'll see that play ever again because now it's, it looks like the defenses are, are on that. And, you know, twice now he's run that play. And, you know, uh, I, I don't think they've gotten a first down either one. I, I can't remember. Well, we were, we, I think we, we said we all agree that going for it was, you know, we were okay with that. Uh, the play call, not so much, but we were okay with going for it. The only, uh, the, the, some of the pushback that I've heard uh, just from some of the national shows, and I, I, it made me think. It didn't. It didn't change my mind, but it made me think a little bit. And I think it was. I think it was Colin Cowherd. And I'm not. And you know, take that for what you will. But I think it was. He said, "Kick the field goal because even if the Broncos go down and they score." It takes all of the blame off of your young quarterback who got roasted after the game. All, all it was was then your defense sucked and let it go, but your quarterback still had a career game, and there's going to be less of a blame put on him if you go up 31-28 
with a couple minutes left and your defense falls apart, everyone's going to be coming for you because you're the defensive head coach, but you can endure that. Meanwhile, your quarterback can still, you know, kind of, I don't want to say enjoy, but he can instill, they can still talk about the great game he had rather than, you know, throwing the interception at the end or whatever. It didn't protect Justin Fields by, you know, not taking the lead and then putting it on the defense. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying I thought that was a very interesting take where it's like, who do you want the blame to go on? Do you want it to go on the defense or do you want it to go on the quarterback? But once again, I, I didn't mind going for it on fourth down. I wish they would have just, you know, buckled up and went, you know, actually went for a yard rather than trying to get super cute out of the shotgun. But just, just, uh, it was just a, another, re- just another thing that people can get to dissect about the bears because they, they did not work. The, the mode right now in house hollers is, is CYA cover your ass because yeah. you know, everyone's up there looking, you know, trying to save their jobs and, and Eber is not caring about Justin Fields day and, and, and having him leave the field with, with good feelings. He wants to get a victory because, because that winning streak is, or that losing streak I should say has become a national laughing, you know, stock, you know, the, the, or the whole organization has become a national laughing stock and it's, it's gotten national uh, notoriety and he wants to end it. And he's wanted to get a victory there you know, trying to, you know, get a, get a game there. So he can say, I feel good about himself. And, and he had, he had no intentions of, of caring about anyone's feelings other than trying getting, getting that victory and trying to preserve his, his job up there. Yeah. And one of the frustrating things too, you remember the first series of the game for the offense where they were out for, it was fourth and two, I believe, or whatnot at midfield punt. and you punt. Yeah. Just, just questionable decisions all around. Right. But in that right. situation, again, we all agree they should have went for it, but put the ball in Justin Fields hands. Like right. Put it in your best player's hands and let him go take care of it. Or if you want to give it to a running back, that's fine. Just line up in, in an eye formation and, and have Justin under center. You know, give the defense something to think about. Well, Justin's under center. Could he sneak it? You know, it, you have a fullback in the backfield. Could it be a, a short handoff to the fullback? You know, toss play it to the outside with Herbert with a lead blocker. Just give something the, the defense something to, to think about. We're just lining up Justin in the backfield. Now I know it was it was a read option play that the, the, the defensive end though just kind of stayed his his ground. So even if, if Justin kept the ball, he was you know dead to rights there. But so he gave it to Herbert and obviously like I said, uh, right blew the block and then the linebacker got in there and, and made the tackle. So just a, a bad play call for that situation again get under center do the tush push what the eagles have been doing you know jalen hurts is getting how many millions a year and you know if, if you, they can line him up and, and get him you know uh, get the first down I, I think you can line up justin fields and, and justin will have no problem getting under center and running in that first down either so yeah and, and let's let's stick with the the offense because uh, Alyssa, the bears offense totaled 471 yards uh which obviously is a far cry from what we are used to uh but then you have people coming and saying listen you, you did that against the broncos the broncos gave up 70 against miami uh you still have to feel good about it though right because these are still professional football players it's still i mean from what i understand the bears have not been relegated yet uh, but they they will but they are still in the nfl and so you're playing an nfl team and you were able to do that against a team where or uh, with an offense that we didn't think could move the ball on you know a high school team but they were able to do that so I'm, I'm grasping for straws here, but is it something that you can build on to say, we put on that kind of performance against the Broncos. Let's see if we can keep that going. Absolutely. Cause you know, one of the first things people are going to point to, you know, the bears beat up on a really bad Broncos defense. Okay. But you can't look at it like that. You have to look at it from the bears offensive perspective. That is the best game they played all season. It is something that they can build on that Justin Fields can build on because right now he's playing for his career in Chicago at this point. And this was a game that he needed, and you hate that it ended the way that it did. And despite the loss and despite how devastating it was and, you know, how just, like, 
demoralizing uh, and how demoralized the locker room was after that game. It's still something when they put the tape on this week, they can build on it and they can go out against Washington and build on that. It's, it's something they needed. It feels like last year, right? Except for this happened before the Washington game. It was like yeah. the, the Washington game after it, that one against the, the Patriots, their last win. My God. Um, that's when they finally found like that building block to build on. And it happened a game early. You're, you know, Justin Fields looked like the Justin Fields that we saw at Ohio state that we saw in the beginning before, you know, during his rookie season, well, not that first start, but you know, where he was more free and he wasn't like overthinking and he was going out there and just balling, throwing with confidence. Like he looked like it, it was refreshing. It was like, Oh my gosh, you know, just look at him back there. Like, where has this been? Where has this been? So, I mean, it's definitely something I think that they can build on. They're going to face a taller uh, task against this Washington defense, though. Um, as in mean, all those preview, uh, there are a lot of guys that have sat that have more sacks than the Bears defense total does yep. this season. So, I mean, it, it's going to be a challenge. But again, you're coming off that game where there are positives to build on. Danny, just from watching the game and the flow of the game where things were going well and then they weren't going so well. Uh, what do you think contributed to that? Was it, I mean, everyone says Justin Fields tightens up in the fourth quarter. Uh, some people are saying Luke Getzi's play calling uh, got, became too predictable and they were, the Broncos could kind of see what was coming up. What was the big difference between the first basically three and a half quarters to what happened in the fourth quarter? Well, you know, just kind of watching that second half again on, uh, you know, on my live TV copy I had of it recorded, it just like it seemed like the the, uh, the execution just kind of failed them in that second half, or mainly that 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 you know late third, early fourth quarter. Once the Broncos started gaining momentum, I think then the pressure kind of came back on the offense, and I think Luke Getzey went a little bit more conservative, you know, and I think in terms of conservative, meaning just keep keep running the ball, not really not really doing on the same patterns or same plays that they were calling earlier in the game for. for for, uh, for Justin in the offense. So I don't know if he was trying to just kind of get them through the game and not expose potentially Justin getting hit, sacked, or, or, or having a pick six or something like that. But I, I think the play calling got a little, got, got a little uh, conservative there. And I also think that the execution in the second half really fell off from what they were doing in that first half. I mean, at first half, everyone's pumped up. Everyone was, was hyped up. They, they were making plays left and right. And getting back to the to the earlier question in terms of the of the um, you know what do you take from this from this offensive output? Listen, guys, if they went up against this Broncos defense that just gave up seventy points to to the Dolphins and they, they got shut out or they only got ten points, I mean they, they would have to burn down House Hall. I mean that, that would be just a, a totally disaster. So the fact that they came out there and they showed that the, they have the ability, they have DJ Moore, a guy who can make some plays down the football field, give him an opportunity, you know, have some have some. Uh, patterns there where you get the ball quickly out of Justin Fields' hands and into the hands of, of a DJ Moore or some of these playmakers. So I think, and then the fact that he was, uh, Justin was in, in rhythm, you know, 16 for 16 in the first, you know, uh, 16 completions, you know, setting new Bears uh, franchise record. And that was something you, you built confidence in your young quarterback. And now you can, now you can you know, kind of build off of that. You know, obviously you would love to have had the W, to kind of you know kind of package it up and say oh listen this is what we can do you know if, if you continue to play like this and, and execute, execute like this within the first three quarters we can get victories and uh but unfortunately everything deflated because if you have a team that can score or has some weapons against this bears defense you're going to score so it's it's a it's a game that the bears if they're going to win a game they're going to have to outscore teams they're not going to be able to stop anybody before we switch over to the defense uh let's talk about 
one player who may not be a part of this offense anymore, Danny. Let's talk about Chase Claypool and what how this has unfolded, whether it's how he's been acting or his lack of performance or how the Bears have handled this entire situation or what they should do moving forward. Do you believe Chase Claypool has played his last game for the Chicago Bears? I believe so. I, I believe there's, there's no coming back from, from this today. I mean, obviously, after the game yesterday, John, you saw how upset I was where, where Abel went up there and said, oh, we gave him the option and 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 Claypool decided to stay home. That That's pissed me off because I'm like, there's no way you could do that. And it turns out that was that was a lie. That was Eberflus just not knowing what to, what to do, what to say, uh, caught up in a lie, and, and he just it just looked like a fool, looked like a clown he's up the there. Head coach, yeah, you know, exactly. He's the head <laughs> coach. So now, now you expect 53 men to follow this guy. You know that, that that's a joke right there. So, uh, but then the, the truth was apparently, you know, the Bears cleaned it up. That that you know they told they told Claypool to stay away, and the fact that they've told him to stay away this game as well. Um, you know, that, that leads credence to the fact that they're just trying to get rid of him. They're going to try and, and, and get, you know, a bag of balls for him or, or whatever they can. And if, if not, I think they're eventually going to end up cutting him. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I just don't know what kind of value he has right there right now. I, I think that the book was out there on Claypool from the Steeler days. It just seemed like that Ryan Poles never got a copy of that book and ended up giving up that high second round pick for it. So uh, another another one of those reasons why I, I have a, a bullseye on, on Ryan Poles' job. Uh, not just, I mean, obviously uh, we're talking about Eberflus and polls, but Alyssa, do you believe, and we talked about, I talked about this during the B55 segment where I believe that there's, that has to be, he has to have lost the locker room at this point. Like, I just don't, I just don't know how people were going to be buying into a guy that is kind of him hawing at the podium publicly. They, the way that they've handled the Chase Claypool situation. Oh, and the 14 game losing streak to, to boot. Uh, so do you believe that they've potentially lost the locker room? I'm not saying that these guys aren't going to play hard or they don't respect Eberflus or anything like that, but eventually like you have to have something that gives you hope to, to motivate you to keep playing the, or trying to win all these games. Do, do you believe that there's probably a big disconnect there in the locker room? Yeah. And I think he might've even lost it before this week. Honestly. I mean, it's just, it, it it's bru- I mean, 14 games. There are guys in that locker room, not even just the new guys that have come that have lost 14 straight games. And like, just like mm-hmm. think about that and like what that does. And Matt Eberflus, honestly, he looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. He looks like he's in way over his head. He doesn't have control of that locker room. He's not the right guy to get these guys on track to get them motivated. I mean, it's three, he's three and 18, easily the worst winning percentage in bears history. There are no signs that things are going to get better anytime soon, especially when we look at that schedule. You know, there might be. We did, we, you know, took a look before uh, we hopped on here. Like, we're trying to predict how many wins do the Bears, you know, are on how that schedule. How things have changed. How things yeah, have changed. My goodness. In a month. I missed that first show. It was so much fun. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's frustrating. I don't think he's the right guy. I think he's shown that when you have players calling out coaches. I mean, when you have like Justin Fields, and I know it wasn't like right in your face, but when he's starting to question things too, and he's someone that will not throw guys under the bus. I mean, that, that was, that was pretty telling. And then with Chase Claypool and seeing I feel like he acted too late with the Claypool situation should have benched him in week two. Now you're late. And it's kind it's kind of like, you know, just festers there for a few weeks and he just really doesn't know what he's doing. And I think that's a very easy way to lose the locker room, especially that, like you said, that 14 game franchise worst approaching one of the worst NFL losing streaks in NFL in NFL history kind of thing. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's bad. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that was like the bears don't want, they didn't want that trade to look worse than it already did because they weren't getting anything for that high pick that they ended up being basically a first round pick because of how the draft order shook out. But, uh, 
you know, it's, it's hard to then say like less than a year after that, be like, nope, we got to get this guy out of here. And we just burnt that high pick. So I didn't know. I didn't, I honestly didn't know if they would sit him down because they didn't want to look worse than they already did. But I felt good that they did. But then the way that they're handling it by like Eberflus doesn't know, think this look like he didn't even talk to anybody before he went up to that press conference. Like, did, hey guys, did we tell him to stay home or did we not tell him? Uh, I'll just wing it. That's okay. Right. And so like there, it looked like there was a big lack of communication there. And uh, Danny, we talked about this in the first segment as far as Eberflus being on the hot seat. But I, I said it's like it's going to be very difficult to fire a guy at, in you know game five. And what are you replacing him with, especially on the defensive side of the ball? Because you don't have anybody that calls plays and he's calling plays right now. And who's going to be the interim and what is that going to do? Uh, I believe I think it was uh, – I think it was Cliff in the chat room said they need to hire a defensive coordinator to take the, some of the pressure off. Uh, is, what do you think that they could or should do as far as this coaching staff goes? Goes because everyone wants changes. I just don't know what those changes are. I, I honestly right. don't. I don't. I don't know what you can do without just. It's just without. It's just being. You know. Okay. Let, let's just make a change for the sake of making a change, and then everything completely falls apart more than it already is. Right. I mean, in terms of right, making that change in midseason, I mean, it's, it's going to be difficult. But, you know, and, and if they go out in this on national television and, and wet the bed and they get embarrassed and that winning that losing streak keeps I keep saying winning streak, that losing streak keep, keeps extending and they, they look bad doing it. You know, Justin gets pounded by the by that Washington defense. I mean, there's an opportunity there with that mini bye week there. You know, you, know, you could make a change or, or if, if, you know. Kevin Warren or someone's fed up and says, you know what, you know, maybe, maybe Eberflus has lost the locker room, whatever, you know, you could, uh, I can see a scenario where you can, you can bump up Luke Getty to, to head coach, you know, interim head coach, you know, maybe make John Hoke the defensive coordinator uh, and, and do something like that. Uh, but, you know, knowing the McCaskies, knowing how they operate, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Melissa, you, uh, I'm sorry, Alyssa, you touched on a, on a great point earlier in the, in the show. You said maybe that week is a week nine. I believe they play Carolina, another, another Thursday night game I mean, where, that could be when now you're a little bit further in the season. If this continues going on, this losing streak is continuing going on into that Carolina game. Now you can see changes have just got to be made just for the sake of change. Because, like you said, the players, they have nothing to look for. Look at Justin Fields after the game. I mean, I mean, he was just down. I, I haven't seen him. I mean, I've seen him like miserable, but I haven't seen him. Like, he looked like he just, you know, like someone just, you know, killed his dog or something like that it, it, it was it was he was sad it was just like everything was taken out of him now you have to come back on a short week and, and play washington again on the road tough mm -hmm. tough team you know good defense uh it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a rough one i think yeah and if they like no i'm not saying this is gonna happen but if they were to extend this losing streak to that week i think that would put them at what 20 20 straight losses and that would i think would tie this century this the record this century so since the year 2000 i think that would tie the the longest losing streak since the the year 2000 but i could see it going john because if you if there's a kind of a team that if, if you can score if you got weapons like washington has weapons minnesota's got weapons i can't i don't remember who's after that but if you have weapons you this defense cannot stop you they cannot get off the football field on third downs absolutely no, cannot yeah. get off the football field on third downs Dante so Adams about to go off in a couple weeks I'm trying not to. I'm, I hate thinking about like I, I don't want to think about like oh right whenever they're zero and you know zero and nine whenever they're zero and eight I'm, I don't I hate thinking like that but like but to but to your point if we're gonna look at this pragmatically there's it's not out of the realm of possibility that 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 absolutely could happen so okay 
let, let's let's look ahead to uh, the the big showdown this Thursday <laughs> as the Bears roll into Yay. Washington to take on the Commanders in a nationally televised or nationally streamed game uh, against the against the Commanders. Um, Danny, <laughs> how afraid are you for Justin Fields against this defense? Because the Broncos' defense was just porous it was swiss cheese back there and they, they granted they did take advantage of it but they they but the washington's a little different what's your take on fields in this offense facing washington i'm very afraid i'm, I'm very afraid for justin's health for his well-being uh i i don't i mean in terms of you know try i would try again try and run the ball you know, you had some some success there now again the washington front four is is, is much more stout much more uh, better in terms of you know getting getting after the you know all aspects the, the run game the, the passing game uh then then the, the broncos defense but i would again try to you know establish the run see if you can get anything going uh off that right side and, and get khalil herbert and and maybe rush on johnson uh even even justin you know just kind of you know using his legs and, and being that being that weapon uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean, in terms of pass protection, please. I mean, I look at if you're listening to the show, uh, three step drops, get the ball out of Justin's hands quickly. No five, seven, eight, eight, eight step drops back there and waiting for those routes to develop downfield because Justin will, will get will get hurt. Unless you want to see Tyson Badger in it real quick, uh, just get the ball out of Justin's Fields' hands really quickly. So, um, you know, defensively, obviously, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure they can stop Washington, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know what to tell you there. Um, that we have a defense, court, defense head coach that will not blitz and just is six to those front four guys, even though they they don't even get sniff the the, the cologne or, or the, the anything about what the the quarterback is wearing. So I have, I have no idea what what they would do there defensively. Didn't Washington put up thirty one mm-hmm. on the Eagles? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, are we are we head to a seventy point game here? <laughs> wow. I'm telling you, if you want the, a, a firing, you might. If you get a fifty burger from Washington, you 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 might see a firing. Oh gosh, I mean, and you heard it here first. Uh, you heard it heard heard it here first from Danny Luke Getzey, friend of the show, uh, clearly watching. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he t- he tunes into Buffon Fifty Five every week uh, for just some tips, uh, just to you know uh, some game plan tips. But Danny, you're talking about this defense and. The Bears coaching staff seemed to prefer these long defenders, which is one of the reasons they signed Tremaine Edmonds and, uh, and you know, got rid of Roquan Smith because he wasn't a right fit in this defense. Uh, what has gone wrong with Edmonds? Is it, is it, was an, is it an overestimation of his abilities or, are they, or is this scheme just not fit to make anybody shine? No, first of all, defensive line is not helping him. Just to be just to be fair to to Jermaine Edmonds, the defensive line is not helping him. If you take a look at a lot of these plays that you know, you see the guard, you see the center leaking out to that second level, def, you know, defender. You know, a lot of times it's at Edmonds, and he, and they're wiping him out or washing him out of the play. So you know, he's not being he's not being impactive in terms of at, at or around the line of scrimmage. Uh, they're not taking out blockers in front of him, so he can you know, there's a lane for him to kind of get back into the, that backfield and, and make a make a impactive you know tackle for loss or anything like that. That's that's not helping them out. However, to tell me that that Tremaine Edmonds is a more impactful or better linebacker than than Roquan Smith is, is just flat out lying to me. Now you might say he's a better fit at middle linebacker and Roquan's more of a weak side linebacker in the system, but you, you cannot tell me if you look at the stats because because the big thing was Roquan is he doesn't make any game changing plays, doesn't create turnovers. But if you look at if you look at the stats, you you put up, you know, Trent Edmonds against Roquan Smith. You know, I'm, I'm looking I'm looking right here. So, so so the big play, the big play stats, right? The interceptions, for example, you know, for for his career, uh, you know, uh, uh Tremaine has got five. 
Roquan, on the other hand, has got, I believe, is he's got eight interceptions. You know, on sacks alone, Roquan's got 20 career sacks. Uh, Tremaine Evans has only had six and a half sacks. So, I mean, those are some big, impact, impactful plays there. You know, quarterback hits. Uh, Roquan's got uh, 24 for his career. Uh, you know, Tremaine Evans only has 18. So, if you're going to tell me that that Roquan is a less impactive linebacker and doesn't make those big, splashy plays, but Tremaine Edmonds is – that's just flat out lying to me, right? That the numbers tell the truth here. So th- why they made that made that decision or, or made that switch in terms of you know, and, I, and you notice I keep saying this all over and over again. Last year they were a middle of the, of the pack of tier respectable defense with Rokon on it, right? They weren't perfect by any means. Their defensive line still sucked, but at least Rokon was was a guy that was making plays. And the Ravens, on the other hand, were uh, you know t- lower twenties. I think their ranking before Rokon got there. You flip Roquan off the Bears, you put him on the Ravens, the Bears defense just goes down the tubes, and the Ravens climbs up the chart. So that is an impactive player. And then people might say, oh, he's not a fit for this defense. Listen, if you're a ball player, if you're a dude, I don't care where you line up, middle linebacker, weak side linebacker, strong side linebacker, you're going to make a play. You're going to make your, your presence felt. You're going to make plays on, on, on the defensive side. And I think Roquan, to tell me that Roquan was a not an ideal fit and Trayman Edmonds is and give him practically the same amount of money, I, I, I just I don't buy that. That's another thing why I just don't see where Ryan Poles has any right to say, you know, I deserve to keep my job. I, uh, I'm, I'm starting to think that it's not looking for players that fit this scheme. It's the scheme that does not fit players anymore. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not stop worrying about people fitting into your scheme and worrying about, are you sure your scheme actually works with the players you want? And, and, and look, I think- at the bills. look at the bills. They took Tremaine Edmonds. They, they lost him. And then what, they filled in with a fourth round, uh, second year player. And they are even better. Now their front four is obviously, uh, you know, Heads over heels over better than the Bears, but mm-hmm. they took they plugged in a fourth round second year player, and their their defense is top notch. I think I saw, I want to say it was PFF rated linebacker. It was like Roquan one and Nick Morrow number two. I was like, oh what? <laughs> like, oh, those are those are some names that that we used to. Also, the Bears haven't won a game since they traded Roquan. Well, they haven't won a game since a lot of things happened. Uh, <laughs> let's not make it's that the milestone. There's, there's been a lot of things have happened since the last time the Bears won, won a football game. I saw game. a quick uh, comment in the chat saying that Roquan can get off the blocks. Well, did you see Tremaine Edmonds can try to get off that block in that first touchdown? He can't get off blocks either. So it, it's the thing is you're, you're talking about an impactive player. Who's a more impactive player, Roquan or Tremaine Edmonds? To me, it's Roquan Smith. And it'd be nice if the defensive line could right. play and, up and to a fair level. Enough. Let, let, let those and, and guys. I, yes. And I'm talking about, I mean, for, for anyone, I'm yeah. not just talking about Jermaine. I'm like, if your D line can't get any kind of a push or eat up blocks, then, they, then this is what you're going to get. Right. And, right. and especially when you're not blitzing anybody, you're just going to have, you're going to give the, you're going to give the opposing team, you know, four or five, six minutes to throw the ball. <laughs> and that, then that's where we find that, that there's and the, the play, as soon as they didn't get, the fourth down conversion late in the game, you notice that the first play that there was a huge chunk pass from the, from, from the Broncos to go down the field and basically like set themselves up to, to, to kick the game winning field goal. So I very little faith in anything that, uh, that has to do with, uh, with, with this defense right now. Uh, Danny looking over Aldo's video uh, about the commanders, uh, it showed that um, the quarterback, Sam Howell, young guys, he's showing signs of growing into a, 
pretty good, effective quarterback. Maybe not a Hall of Famer, but uh, he he sat all of last se- season, with the exception of Game 17, where he started. And, and then they hired Eric Bieniemy uh, from Kansas City to be his offensive coordinator. Is this a way that a quarterback should be developed slowly and with offensive coordinators that have a long record of success rather than, you know, what they kind of did with Luke Getzey, where he was with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback coach, never called plays, but, you know, let's just hire a bunch of, let's, let's hire a first time GM, a first time head coach, a first time offensive play caller and a young quarterback. And let's just hope the stars align and everything turns out perfect. Right. right. And that's the thing. That's what I was screaming about before the, the Iberflus hire was made was I wanted a, a established, you know, a coach play caller that that's been doing this in the NFL to, to come in and be the head coach here because of Justin Fields to kind of nurture him. And yes, to answer your question, you know, that's the way you bring along these, these, these younger quarterbacks, you know, some can just come in as a rookie. Look at Anthony Richardson. He is he had 13 career college football games under his belt. He was nowhere near ready to come in and be an, a first day NFL starter. But you know what? Shane Steichen took him in, has built that, that, that offensive scheme around him to his strengths and, and is allowing him to shine with what he does in terms of his ability to, to run with the football and throws that he's comfortable with concepts he's comfortable with and just kind of build his confidence from there and then just add to it, you know, as opposed to just saying, Hey, this is my offense and this is how I want you to run my offense. No, take a, a, a you know, a, a CJ Shroud, similar thing where, you know, he comes in, he's, he's known for his ability to throw accurate balls on a football field, you know, and he's, he's putting situations where he's making nice, easy completions. And he's then he's supplemented with a good defense and a running attack. So there's ways to, to kind of help this uh, young quarterback, not only develop within that that scheme within that system, but also around him, the, the team around him. And and you know th- there are times where you know if you get a, a turnover on defense and you and you get a, a, your offense a short field to work with, you know that could generate points. Again, that gives your offense some confidence to go ahead and build off of. But unfortunately, with the Bears, are just like, hey, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we, how we want you to operate. We want you to operate from the pocket. We're not going to build everything around you in terms of your strengths. And then our defense can't stop anybody, and our, our rushing attack—we give up on it too too soon. So hey, it's all on you. And that, that I think that's a recipe for disaster, and that's unfortunate what we've seen here so far with Justin. The one thing that that does seem apparent is there is a a, a personal connection there. What it looks like, at least from from afar, with Luke Getzey and, and Justin Fields. I, I think they both have you know mutual respect for each other. I think they both like each other. So hopefully, that's why if, if you do make a change, I, I do want to see Getzey in that interim head coaching position. I want to see what he does with Justin, how he, maybe he's being told from above that, you know what, we want Justin to be a pocket passer and this is how we want him to develop. And this is what we, maybe gets and says, you know what, if, if he has control, he says, you know what, I'm going to let Justin just be Justin and I'm going to build things around him. Hopefully we'll see, you know, if that happens even right now without the, the head coaching change, but that's what you got to do. You got to take a, a, a player and put him in a position to succeed, find his strengths, find his weaknesses and stay away from those weaknesses as much as you can build on those weaknesses, make them into eventual strengths and just kind of help him and come along and win. The unfortunate part is when everything's upon that quarterback, you, like you said earlier, we can't stop anybody on defense. You're gonna have to put up points for points against every other other offense you go up against here. You know, you got you got Minnesota coming up with with their you know passer, you know, and, and Kirk Cousins and their, and their receiving core. You know, we talked about you know with, with KC and, and all, well, they, the weapons they have. So trying to keep up pace with those guys, it's hard when when you don't have the weapons that the other guys have around you. So. Uh, that was a long-winded answer to your question, John. But but yes, it is very vital that the, that the play caller 
and the developer of, of that offense knows your the, the quarterback's strengths and weaknesses and builds a scheme around those strengths and then helps fortify those weaknesses and make them eventually into one of the strengths as well. We'll see how the Bears address that. Uh, we'll just see. We'll, there's a lot to figure out, and that's gonna that's gonna a lot a lot of that's gonna a lot of what happens for the next 13 weeks will determine the direction of that and whether there's gonna be serious personnel changes, whether there's going to be you know a quarterback change at some point. Not not throughout the season, but they, everything's gonna be on the table if they if they end up only winning two or three games this year. So everything is gonna be on the table. But uh, let's let's keep this in the short term. And we'll we'll kind of end on this question, uh, Alyssa. What do you expect in Washington on Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> this defense sucks. I love that. I love that so much. I was hoping we were going to bring that out. We need to have. I mean, that's in every show. Maybe a multi-show soundbite right there. So just all to be ready anytime we're talking about it. But I mean, maybe the better question is what happens after Washington, especially Ooh. if things go bad. I know okay. I'm teasing like I know what's going on. I don't, but I mean, you want, you want them to see some accountability, right? So, I mean, if they do lose, which I think we all expect, and I don't, you know, it's not us hating. It's just, you know, it's just reality. What's going why on? We, so, why should we believe anything different? Yeah. why should, Especially after how the game went last year. I think that was kind of more ideal than what, what we're going to see this year, where I think it's going to be high scoring, especially on Washington's end, especially with, I mean, looking at the practice report, Jalen Johnson and A. Jackson are probably still going to be out. So, again, you have an injury-depleted se- a secondary, a defensive line that can't get any pass rush on the quarterback. Sam Howell's probably going to have a career game. I mean, it's, it's going to be brutal. And now we have to hope that Justin Fields can, you know, replicate or at least build upon that performance that he had going against a much better defense. But, I mean, there might be one silver lining. Tevin Jenkins was designated to return from IR. He was listed as... I mean, they had a walkthrough today, but he was listed as a full participant. So I don't know. Maybe they'll, they'll probably save him for next week yeah. uh, against the Vikings. But it is encouraging to know that, you know, the best offensive lineman from last season is is headed back. Yeah, it's, I think if they're going to bring him back, don't get him back on the short week. Just give him that extra yeah. 10 days or whatever and then and bring him back after that. Danny, what do you expect in Washington on Thursday night? I'm, I'm afraid, John. I'm, I'm not going to shortcut it. I'm afraid. I'm afraid for Justin Fields' health. Uh, I'm afraid for a lot of those those players' well-being in terms of mentally, in terms of how they're going to cope after, after another loss, because I don't see how they can beat Washington, to be honest with you. I, and, and I wish I could give you guys a silver lining. I was like, all right, this is how they can do it. I, offensive line, I'm obviously, I think Larry Borum uh, is, is going to possibly get Justin Hurt this, this game. Uh, we talked about Montez Sweat. We talked about the interior guys with Deron Payne and, and Jonathan Allen. And then, and then, obviously, Chase Young on the other side, who already had two and a half sacks. So, and going up against Darnell Wright, who's who's you know has gone off to a, a sh- shaky start in, in his rookie you know rookie season so far. So I, I'm worried. And if you're gonna if you're not gonna do a, a three you know a quick game, which is you know three steps, get the ball out of Justin Fields' his hands, he's gonna take some big hits. And uh, and and you know again on a defense side, I, I don't see how they're gonna be able to stop. You know Aldo did in his in his preview tape, uh, video there three very good talented receivers. You know Jahan Dotson. Uh, Curtis Samuel, and then also, you know, Terry McLaurin. So I think those are guys that, you know, how, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of Sam Howell coming out of North Carolina, but the one thing he can do is he can get hot. And once he gets hot, he he, he has a, a pretty good deep ball thrower. So, you know, there with, with the, the two safeties out, uh, possibly, out, or I'm sorry, with Ajax out and with Jalen Johnson out, you know, the, 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 the secondary is a little bit vulnerable there. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But again, you're going to have to keep up points, uh, match points with points here. And I, I just don't know how you, how you can do this. The only good thing is here, here's silver mining that the Washington uh, commander's offensive line has given up 24 sacks so far. 
but we have a defensive line that doesn't get to the quarterback. So there goes that silver lining. Why I tried. You, I tried. One sack? I tried for a second one. Danny, why aren't I mean, you worried about my We had to split a sack. We had to split a sack between two players. Two I players know. Got half like our one sack. Split it. Danny, why aren't you worried about my well-being? I'm going to this game. I have to watch this game in person. Like, why? I have a feeling halfway through the first quarter, you're going to have a couple beers down. You're, you're going <laughs> to be feeling good. You know? For those you know, of you – Make uh, some friends. You make yeah. some friends. By halftime, I, I bet you you're going to be at a bar somewhere mingling. All right, and or, on, game. or on my way home. For those of you listening to the audio version here, uh, there's a Grim Reaper graphic over Danny's <laughs> face right now because he's just the bearer of great news against <laughs> the Chicago Bears. But I used to be the guy who bring the, brought the the hope and and you know some positivity. But I'm saying See they, they broke did? me. See they what they did to you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I will be attending this game, and I, you know, I, I listen. I, as much as I'm going to make fun of it, I love going to Bears games. I love watching them play in person. I, I don't have a lot of expectations for this game, so maybe that's going to take the sting off of this. Uh, and you know, it's and maybe and maybe I'm there for the Bears' first victory of the season. That would be fun. Uh, but it, it's it is it is uh, it's. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, I got these tickets well before the season and I just don't know who's going to buy them. You're having, if you think the bears are going to win this game, huh? <laughs> I'll take what you're having. If you, if you think the bears are going to win, this yeah, game. I can at least hope, I mean, I'm going to be rooting for it. I'm not saying they're going to, I wouldn't pick them. Just wear neutral colors. Don't, don't let people know you're a bears fan. Well, I, I, I think at this point I, I'm probably gonna wear a Bears shirt, but I don't think who's gonna who's gonna start crap with a Bears fan. Like we got it bad enough. Like, like yeah, you, they feel bad for us. Yeah, it's like I'm a, if I drove here to watch this team, are you really gonna give me crap? Like, come on, I'm, I'm already I already feel bad about myself and my team. You're gonna what are you? You're not gonna say anything to me that I haven't already said to myself. <laughs> I haven't ever <laughs> I haven't already said about my own team. Like, you're not you're not breaking anything. Uh, you're not breaking any news to me. Uh, so, so John, just remember the Bears will not reach rock bottom. It keeps getting worse. So uh, have fun on Thursday. Yeah, what <laughs> it could always get worse. <laughs> Man, when did we turn into the Ray of Sunshine podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we were like a couple of weeks ago. We were we were talking about like nine and eight, which I, we're going to have to play back towards the end of the season to see how stupid we sound. By the way, eight and nine for the record. Eight and nine. Okay, are they getting to I eight win. wins, Alyssa? Are they getting to eight? Are they getting to eight wins? No. This isn't the price is right. You don't get points for being closest. They're still going to be. One of the biggest mistakes I made, and, and I raised my hand first one there, I thought Yannick Ngakwe is going to make a difference on this on his defensive line. And and now we see why he's been with, what, six teams in the last five seasons. He just, you know, he'll get his numbers by the end of the season. End of the season, he'll finish with, you know, eight, nine sacks. But they're just not impacted. Really? Plays. Danny, he leads the team in sacks. What do you want? <laughs> I think he'll, by end of the season he'll, he'll have his eight or nine sacks, but I just they're not impactive plays. That that's that's the thing, and I think now you see why he's you know he's he's not a guy that that sticks around. That's a good that's a good use of ten ten and a half million dollars. Way to go, way to go, Ryan Poles. Well, yeah, add it to the list, but uh, well, I'm gonna write it off in taxes yeah. anyway. I can I can only take so much positivity here before I have to start thinking that we gotta close this thing down before we get out of here. Uh, Alyssa, what do you got going on with Bears? Why you? I'm sure this is a sh- it's a short week for you too, so you're gonna be churning out stuff on oh. you know today, tomorrow, Thursday, and then every probably day after that. Yeah, it's all condensed into like a matter of four days. So yes, constantly working, and I finally brought it back. I did it with Matt Nagy. 
I now have my hot seat watch, which the first one is premiering tomorrow. Uh-huh. And it's going to be Eberflus, Getsy, and Poles. I know Danny will Thank like you. that one. So, yes. Yeah, so we're going to have, we're going to rate them at a, on a scale of one through 10. I have some cool graphics and my graphics guy was helping. Uh, we're going to keep going until everyone's gone uh, or everyone's <laughs> not gone. So it should be fun. <laughs> I, I can't should, wait. To we should talk about her list next, our next show. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, because you know we're we're gonna I'll have a new like, one by then. Yeah, I was gonna say that, that might be adjusted at this point, but yeah, we should definitely bring that up. Danny, uh, your people are already clamoring for your services because the bear. The, a lot of people think that the bear season's already lost, and so they're and the, the news that the bears have the number one and number two overall pick currently has got people talking about mock drafts. So who have you been watching? What's going on? Well, I started watching defense and offensive line, and then Aldo told me to start watching quarterbacks, which I, I try to kind of you know push back on, but you know I said just just watch some quarterbacks. So so I'm I'm starting to break down some quarterbacks. Obviously, the, the big name out there is Caleb Williams, but you know this is a draft that I think early on again it's it's you know we're not even a quarter or, or halfway through the uh, college football season, but you know it looks like there's some some depth there. So even if, for example, if Justin you know. You know you know, they, the Bears keep Justin Fields, and it's not they don't go first overall pick with a quarterback if they get the first overall pick. The pick there is uh, there is opportunities later on in the draft, you know, mid to, to late first round, even top of the second round, where you could get a quality uh, guy to come in here and, and compete for a job. We'll see. Yeah, there's a lot that. Listen, I didn't think we were going to be talking about this in like the first couple of days of October, but here we are talking about it in the first couple of days of October, and it's still been you know we're officially in the month that the bears won their last game last year. So it's October of 22 to October of 2023. A lot has transpired in that year and we're still waiting for the bears to win a football game. We should have a one year anniversary show on the 24th. Oh yeah, there, there. I mean, there will be. There absolutely will be because it'll be. It, it'll be. Well, let's hope they win before that. But if not, you know, the, 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 I'm, I'm the, running for the. I'm running for the, the, the losing streak. Remember last week? Uh, yeah. Right. I was thinking of Danny too. I was like, oh my god, the Bears are winning. And then like, oh no, here it's spiraling. I'm like, somewhere Danny is smiling. Well, I, I, I said I said this after the show where uh, my my cousin from Pittsburgh was texting me and he texted me at halftime. He's like, they got it, buddy. They got it. And I was like, hold on. Joey, take it easy. He's like, nah, he's, I, got, I, got a, I got a good feeling about this one. And then he texts me immediately after the game. He's like, I will never assume anything ever again when it comes to the Chicago Bears. Like, I told you. I told you, man. Like, you you can't, right. you cannot be sure of anything until that thing hits triple zeros and the Bears have more points because we have not seen that happen in a very long time. So. My cousin hit me up during the game and said, are, are the Broncos going to get the first pick in the draft? And I, I, I hold, I held off. I, I didn't say anything. And then after the game, I said, probably not. <laughs> not if the Bears have anything to say about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, just a, just a reminder to everyone here in the bar room. Uh, the South Burbs Hitman is on. South Burbs Hitman is on directly after this show. It's their season finale. Just in case you want some more positivity, they're going to be going on directly after this show. So make sure you tune in for the South Burbs Hitman right after Buffon Fifty Five, and that will actually do it. For this edition of Buffon 55. Just a reminder after the game on Thursday, Bear Football, Aldo Gandia, Danny Shimon, and Coach T will take you through all of the key plays of the game, give you their immediate reaction. I'll be down at the game, probably just happy as a clam after the Bears Poor win. Thing. Uh, the, <laughs> it is what it is. Guys, I, don't, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm not happy I'm going. I am excited to go. I don't I've never been, although I've heard 
place uh, as far as like it, uh, the, the the commander stadium uh needs uh, needs an upgrade and they they have new ownership so uh it'll be my first time down there uh so i'm, I'm interested to see what it's like what parking's like what the atmosphere is like but i'm still going to try to have have a good time regardless of the product that's on the field uh bears commanders the showdown everyone has been waiting for the rematch of last year's prime game which everyone was so excited about that they said let's run it but either way make sure you tune into bear football directly after that game and that'll wrap up this week's show uh i appreciate everyone who tuned in whether it's the live version the podcast version the audio version the video version whether it's your first time or your 55th time i appreciate each and every one of you for going through this season with us we would not be here without you guys because then we'd just be three lonely people talking about this terrible football team so we appreciate everybody in the chat room and everybody who has downloaded or watched this show but that'll do it for this week for danny shimman and Alyssa barbieri i'm john buffone enjoy the game on thursday everybody we'll see you next time Thank you.